welcome to Sonic Talk. Welcome to Facebook Live viewers. You may have sought the live stream last week. I didn't run it up live because I had loads of junk at the beginning. So what I've tried to do this time is just catch the beginning of the show rather than anything else. And uh, that's basically the idea. So... Um, I'm assuming it's still running because I'm just looking at a completely different screen. Anyway, excuse my... If I just ignore that screen, then we'll just pretend that everything's fine. Sonic Sonic Talk, of course, is the show dedicated to music production, the technology of music production, uh, software, live performance, live production, all of that kind of thing. Anything you can do in the studio with synthesizers or electronics or any of that kind of thing... This is where we talk about it. So I'm going to. I was saying just before I actually switched the live uh, uh, stream on that um, we were, in fact, uh, outnumbered here. I've got two guests from the US, and I'm going to start. Hmm, I'm not sure who would be closer. I'm guessing Rich would be closer because he's on the East Coast. No, Mark's close. Oh well, we'll start with Rich Hilton anyway. What the heck? We got Rich Hilton here from uh, Hiltonius.com, uh, keyboard player with Chic and Nile Rogers Studio guy, jet setting about the place with the disco band that is Chic. How the devil are you, Rich? Are you well? I am. I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So uh, I, I always tease you at the end of a ge- at the end of a show, saying uh, off to wax some hotties. Have you been waxing some hotties this week? As waxing many hotties. as possible. As many I would as li- always. I would like to point out that it's actually waxing a hottie is uh, old speak for cutting a wax cylinder, which was hot wax, and it was the uh, it is? that was. Yeah, I, I believe that was it, yeah. That's what I thought <laughs> it was. Not what I've a... been talking about all this time. Oh, well, I'm glad we could clear that up at the very least. Anyway, okay. welcome, Rich. It's a pleasure to have you as ever. Hey, Nick, am yes. I mistaken that this is your birthday show? Well, uh, it's as close as it could be to a birthday show. Your birthday was actually yesterday. Today ah. is the day after the birthday. Yesterday well, was just a word. In fact, yesterday... Uh, we had Electron in. Jenk uh, came down and he was playing. Uh, we, we had a really good look at the analog heat, which I know has been this. We, we talked about it a couple of weeks back because there was a rather cryptic launch video or pre-launch video. And now it's out. People are kind of mm, not sure what they are. But I, I have to say, it sounds absolutely amazing. Closest thing I can describe it to is like a thermionic culture vulture with multiple circuits, an envelope follower, an LFO and a filter and a usb audio interface it sounds really nice there are lots of it's as we discussed before it's the it's the degrees of rather than just the switching of circuits and it can it sounds it's very transformative not cheap but still very impressive to to, so that's what i spent my birthday yesterday and also uh my family have just um two of them just had the winter dmv bug which is a really you know nobody likes that and I haven't caught it yet. So yesterday was spent thinking, these guys have flown over from Sweden to film this. Am I going to have to leave and go to bed because I'm going to be sick as a dog soon? But I managed to get through it and I seem to be okay today. So woohoo! Hopefully I'll make through the show as well. Otherwise there's going to be some very different live streaming going on, I can tell you. Right. So uh, let's come back to Mr. Mark Dote, who is there in, uh, are you in Asheville? Is that right? I am in Asheville, yes. Asheville in the States. So that's my second US participant, Mr. Mark Doty, synthesizer expert. In fact, recently we uh, we were talking about uh, SynthFest. And in fact, I saw you last week. Yes. Because you yes. were in the UK. Almost, I think it was almost exactly a week. Is that true? Uh, I can't remember if it was Thursday or Tuesday. It wouldn't have been today because I would have been doing the show. It was Tuesday, For last sure. Tuesday. Yeah, that's it. So uh, your trip back was okay and you had fun while you were here, right? 
it I had a great time. It was absolutely amazing. It was just the most ideal trip ever. Everything went perfectly well and I met lots of amazing people and got to hang out with a lot of my friends and it was wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that and I'm really glad that we got a little bit of time with you. I know you were very busy because you were off doing did you did you say you were meeting a, a couple of synth luminaries while you were over here as well? I did. I uh, got to go to Streetly Electronics and I met Martin and John there, which was uh, just an incredible experience. And I got to ha- uh, go to Peter Zanoviev's house and have lunch with him. No uh, way, man. It's true. It's true. Uh, now, now, get, wow. I want to know, you know, in my mind, Peter Zanoviev's house is like a kind of Hampstead mansion somewhere in North London with lots of kind of dusty electronics and beautiful things, including maybe, you know, a VCA, uh, an EMS uh, Synthy 100 or something, you know, just kind of lying about. Am I about right? Oh, yeah, the whole place was lined with Synthy 100s. It was no, actually, <laughs> uh, it was a very normal house, uh, kind of a Victorian era house. It was just wonderful and very uh, kind of homey and lived in. Uh, not any EMS electronics that I could see, however, uh, but he did sort of uh, give us a tour of his computer setup, which was quite impressive, that he was in the midst of composing with, which was really, uh, it was a fabulous experience to see him actually doing that. Yeah, because I know, um, I'm sure I saw saw a couple of interviews recently where now he works mainly well, I guess in the box, isn't it? I mean, as is quite often the case with a lot of these kind of old school guys, they're kind of done with all the, ha- the hassle and drag of, of having to fix electronics and stuff like that. You know, now it's about just getting the ideas out, you know, because I guess, you know, that's what it also comes out. It's the music, right? Huh? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was he was showing us how happy he was that he could make a 69 note octave and uh, showed us how he was implementing that, uh, which was really cool. Excellent. So, um, no synthesizers about the place at all. That is a bit disappointing. Not even a sort of trophy synth. No, there wasn't any. There was uh, a very nice uh, EMS photograph on the wall, ah. but uh, there were no EMS synths, which was, uh, I would have rather seen some there. He should have some, actually. Yeah, I guess. But, you know, one moves on in one's life. I guess that's a uh, that's a past chapter and all those things. I, I, I mean, this is just my kind of, you know, it's my, it's my flight of fantasy. But I, that sounds awesome. So did you find, was there that moment where you sat down and kind of went, um, hi, I'm Mark. Well, I guess you must have uh, introduced yourselves before then. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been invited to lunch. That would have been weird, right? Yeah, I, I think the weirdest part was actually having lunch like, uh, me and uh, Hamstall Ridware of Sunday Club uh, were the ones who were there. And uh, we came in and he had uh, still some of the lunch in packages. You know, it was just like meats and cheeses and things. And he sort of uh, put us to work. He's like, here, you open this and you open this. And so we're actually helping prepare lunch. And it was just kind of a surreal moment to be <laughs> hanging out with Peter Zinoviev and uh, trying desperately to get the plastic around the cheese off. Um <laughs> I've, you could show, I mean, that would be a terrible way to show one's incompetence, wouldn't it? You could just imagine flipping it and it just goes all over the place. And then it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was I, like I, I am absolutely just kind of, you know, just using my imagination <laughs> here. You know. It was nerve wracking because, I mean, 
I did not want Peter Zanafiev to think I was an idiot. And I had so many opportunities to prove that I actually am. So uh, it was it was an amazing experience. As it turned out, he was uh, he he came around to us. Initially, it was kind of a situation where he was like, all right, well, what do you want? Why are you here? What do you want to talk about? Uh, which, you know, was so stressful because you're like, uh, uh, the thing that I say next has to impress Peter Zanafiev. Has to be the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh in the, he, he in the words of us rich just a, he was in the words of rocket j squirrel that never works <laughs> <laughs> excellent well i'm glad you had a great week and uh well i mean and in terms of great weeks i mean it, you know it, it never seems to stop does it now we've got this as well there's just so much stuff to talk about right this is uh, yet another arty video, I, although it does feature the uh, instrument in question. I was going to play our own video, but that's over 30 minutes long, and I figured that was probably just, you know. This is, of course, the Artoria uh, drum brute. And I think the story is, uh, dancer upstairs, hears the vibration, thing, I must go and dance to this, and then they end up in this kind of weird vaulted place that looks a bit like La Bandouche, which in Paris, I don't know if it is, it's unlikely, but... So yeah, then... Um, and then dances, and they have a kind of, like, rhythm battle. And I quite like the way that they did it, actually. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's light, it's not trying to be sexy, it's not trying to be anything else, it's just a kind of really interesting scenario. And there it is, the drum brute, 17 analog voices, each with their own tracks with a, a sort of Beatstep Pro enhanced type sequencer affair. All sorts of clocking, polyrhythmic, or actually I was corrected in the comments, why do people say polyrhythmic? They should mean polymeter. So I'll take, I'll take advice on that. So anyway, she has a good dance and they smile and go their separate ways. And everybody's happy, and suddenly there is an analog drum machine, which is—I mean, people have tried, haven't they? Um, you know, there was the Rhythm Wolf, which sadly just didn't quite kind of get over the hill in terms of uh, impressing the, the the viewing public or the or the punters. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they sell tons of them, but you don't get to see a lot of videos of people going check out my Rhythm Brute, uh, my, my my Rhythm Brute, my po uh, Rhythm Wolf. So I don't know, Mark, are you you're a drum machine guy? Are you? Do I get that right? I was a drum machine guy many, many years ago, but when, you know, sampling technology came out, I was like, okay, I want to make my drums out of real drums or samples. And, but I do have to say that I've really gotten into sort of designing drums with analog synthesizers through analog solution stuff. And, uh, so when I heard about this announcement, actually, I think I first heard it from you. Uh, I was like, oh, cool, a drum machine. I, it really didn't hit me. But I saw that video that you just showed, and I was like, wow, that sounds really good. And it's really cool because you have some authorship ability in it. And I think that's really important. A drum machine to me is sort of static because, you know, you usually only have those sounds and uh, you're kind of stuck with them. But having the ability to author your own sounds in a drum machine, I think, is what drum machines really should be doing. So this is, and I think it sounds great. I had a friend say that they didn't think that it, it had any punch, but that sounds like it has a lot of punch to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we had it in the room, obviously the the stuff, you know, it's, I think there's two things here because obviously, you know, um, analog drum machines often are um, 
just quite sort of unimpressive out of the box. You know, they don't, because usually, you know, we're, we're used to hearing analog drum machines that have been compressed and EQ'd and kind of, you know, hyped up to some degree. So obviously when we're doing a demo, we don't want to do that because that's not really what everybody would. But at the same time, in the room, we've got a pair of Mackie's uh, MR8s here, which are ridiculously over-specified in the bottom end, you know, a bit boomy, shall we say. And But they, they give a really good insight into what's going on downstairs. And there was plenty of stuff going on downstairs stairs but i have to say i think you know that i guess that guy into like a pull tech into an la2a or something like that would be hmm, kind of pretty tasty so i'm guessing it's it's in the processing to a very great degree but i mean the features seem pretty good i know rich what did you make of it i thought it looked and sounded fantastic and really felt like an instrument to me and a well-designed instrument. And I got to say, and I would never have predicted it 10 years ago, but Arturia have been producing hardware piece after hardware piece that are both interesting and effective as instruments and make you want to play. And this is another one, in my opinion. It's an instrument. It's self-contained. It looks to me like I watched a bunch of videos on this thing. It's laden with features. There's tons you can do. The fact that the that the uh, the touchable panel isn't digitally storable and is malleable at all times, I think is wonderful about it because you have to actually work to get it back and maybe getting to it, getting back will get you something better than getting it back. And um, I just think it really strikes me as an incredibly well thought out and well executed instrument. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, one of the things that we found, because uh, we had Alex from Sawstan, who's a great guy to work with for doing these video things, because he knows how they all you know, work, and he's got a good musical sensibility, you know. So we would just be playing away, and he'd play, and then we'd be off, and it'd be like, oh, uh, oh yeah, wait a minute, yeah, we need to demonstrate this feature. And you found that there was constantly a rhythm would, would dictate a kind of, oh, if I change the voice into this, that would suit better, and then I could add that. And it's very much a performance aspect of it. And that, I think, is... One of the main things, I mean, there has been some, you know, as ever, whenever a new piece of equipment is uh, announced, there's kind of like, okay, it's not stereo, but you've got individual outs. USB is only MIDI. You know, obviously, you need a mixer to pan the voices and do those things. But I guess you don't have to. You can still go mono out. So, I mean, you know, it's just a a question of how, what features do you leave in? What do you you leave out? And considering, you know, we've got two kicks, we've got uh, snares, uh, claps and congas, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there and also i like the fact that they didn't go purely for uh, i want it to sound exactly like a scenario right. i mean even though it has those elements the hi-hat sounds slightly different the symbols very 808 ish the clap is not really either fish nor foul you know it's not and the kicks are 909 ish 808 ish but they're not absolutely and i think that's important as well because you can then take it somewhere else right well Yeah, and I think it's important to get back to making instruments that allow you to design how they sound. Uh, Because, you know, we've we've really kind of done the 808 as far as I'm concerned. I know it's become a classic instrument and people really enjoy the 808 sounds. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of different instruments that do 808 or sound similar to the 808. So uh, having the ability to actually design your own sounds, I think... Anything that inspires more creativity and uniqueness uh, in popular electronic music, I think, is a good thing. 
Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think that there's some other neat features. I like the idea of this kind of uh, because these are the things you know. I'm a BeatStep Pro user, and one of the things that I really wanted was uh, was different step length for the rhythm side of things. And they've uh, they brought that out for this. I wonder if that firmware might make its way into the BeatStep Pro as well, because that that kind of ability to have a 32 step pattern with separate shorter uh, rhythmic cycles per track is really that's actually pretty cool, right, Rich? That was amazing. Being able to have each track have a different different loop length, almost like Ableton Live lets you do, um, was a really cool thing to have in a real-time drum machine like that. And I watched I watched your entire review, which I fully, you know, your uh, sort of exposition as much as a review is. As yeah, presentation, uh, we call those. Uh, but, yeah. I quite enjoyed it very much. Watched it all and uh, watched a few other videos in which they, I don't remember if it was with you or on another one where he had it synced up with a micro brute. Uh, sequencer doing some stuff and uh, yeah that was ours it was uh, top and tail we did that and it, th that's all you needed and it was like let's go <laughs> it was it was amazing really and uh, it just highlighted its versatility and its usefulness in larger rig type circumstances but I, I mean as a self-contained drum machine I'm not sure uh, with analog sounds I'm not sure it's been done better ever and there's what 17 separate signal paths simultaneously that you can yeah, call I, um, I think I think there was uh, I'm trying if I'm trying to remember I think the Tom How do you get and, to 17 exactly I'm just curious well, uh, I did write it down I think one of them is a metronome I think you got 16 ah. plus a metronome ah, if okay. I remember correctly I did, I, th I think I saw um, source distribution in the YouTube comments and I'm sure they may well uh, uh, put me right if that, if I was wrong there, but I think. Well, the other thing that's cool is you can set the metronome out of a separate point, which you could use presumably to trigger. I don't know, mark say like a arpeggiator or or something else on an analog synth. So I that see. could be kind of that. You know that I think that's the thing about all of those. You know, you could perhaps use those little triggers to send out to other sequences as well. You know, so you could have that running in different. Uh, beat divisions and clock cycles and all that sort of thing, and that, that's that's the stuff that I'm thinking. Hmm. I guess you know, if if there were to be any criticisms, one could say it would be really nice to have trigger inputs for people who maybe wanted to play that with pads, you know, like the Nord Drum Three, those kind of things. Um, but I, I, you know, you've got to stop somewhere when you're trying to hit a price point like that. I guess, right? For sure, yeah. Uh, and that's what everyone says, you know, pretty much about every new thing that comes out is, you know, there's always the, well, it could have had this or it could have done that. And I, yeah, it must be terrible these days to actually try to decide where the limits are in any product design. Yeah, well, we talked about that. Uh, and there was an article that was written not that long ago for Sonic State. Uh, Lagrange Audio said, you know, okay, so you think you could do better, design a synth and then figure out whether it's actually going to be feasible to make it. You know, as a layman, say, I want all of these things. You know, where do you stop? Where do you start? Do you want it to be original? Do you want it to have, you know, have familiarity? You know, there's all of those things. And that's a difficult line to tread, as we've spoken of before. But yeah, it's going to be available. I think it's going to be in the stores Wow, I can't remember. Was it the beginning of November or mid-October? Pretty soon. I mean, they, they did the kind of here it is and it's on the way thing really well rather than sort of by complete opposite the Matrix Brute, which is here it is and here it isn't, you know, which is a very different thing. And and, and hopefully when that comes out, it'll have the same impact, you know, but it's it's a harder sell because it's a higher ticket, you know, and as we've seen, there are lots of other um, analog synths, which are polyphonic. In fact, one of which is I've got sat there. That's the uh, DeepMind 12, which they've sent me. That's a, a kind of nearly production model, uh, which I will be hopefully reviewing in the next few days. And I, I would like to point out that on the prototype, 
the end cheeks were faux wood, but on these they're real wood, just for those people, for those things, you know, for, for people who that sort of detail makes a difference. Just just saying, right? Uh, yeah, so available soon. I think it's uh, 399 UK, 499 US. I don't know. Can you guys remember if you've seen the price? Is it 499? I think it's something along those lines. No, nobody really? knows. 499 US dollars. For that drum machine? Yeah. Where's my wallet? No. Um, <laughs> Did you expect it to be... I expected it to be more than that, like almost 50% more than that. Um, but I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It really well, looks like, an, you know, I imagine we're at an age now where you could build a studio around something like that and some electron gear, and you're like living in analog, he- brand new analog heaven. And you got all kinds of cool possibilities and, you know, maybe some Moog gear next to it or whatever, you know, but the point is that, um, you know, and on uh, Overheim, it's amazing that all of this stuff exists and is available brand new in 2016. Really, yeah. I'm blown away by it. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I'm going to skip to this. Was going to. I'm, I'm going to skip to this topic because it sort of follows on quite nicely. Bastle. And I like the Bastler guys. Bastle. They are absolutely mad. Lo-fi digital pocket-sized modular synthesizer which runs on three AA batteries. The synth version has a VCO, LFO and stepped voltage generator. The VCO has three voltage controllable parameters, wave shape, timbre and pitch, and three synthesis modes. Oh, I like that. That's that kind of uh, FM. The best thing about this video is uh, that Bastel guys are rather slightly insane. I'll, I'll skip forward to it. I mean, you know, it's got uh, 16 patch points, but there's a bit at the end. Let's see if I get. I like this. Just a load lying around on top of some other Bastel gear. Their stuff is really lovely. And then uh, towards the end, <laughs> just just playing tennis with one. I I, I don't yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> But they're kind of, they're those kind of guys. Wacky, crazy. Yeah, this is the, uh, it's called the Bastel Castle. Or Bastel Castle. Castle. I don't know how you pronounce it. I would say castle, but that's my English pronunciation, I suppose. And this is another one of those kind of little gizmos. I'm guessing, I don't know if it's if there is any analogue in there, Mark, so I'm not sure if you're going to be uh, totally thrilled with it. But, um, 79 bucks. Jesus. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know. And it'll hook up to CV gear. In fact, earlier on in the video, they have it hooked up to one of the uh, the Moog. Uh, oh, what's the thing? Uh, Verg, Verg thing. The Verkstat. Oh, because it's got the same. It's got the same patch points. But I don't know. Mm. Well, can you can you CV control it like pitch wise? I I haven't tried, but I think there is CV control. So I don't see why you wouldn't, or whether it's just an effects machine. I couldn't tell. That's that's amazing. I, I even you know these days it, it doesn't really pay to be an analog purist anymore. So more often I look at the functionality. But yeah, that that's amazing. That seems really powerful. Let me see. I'm just trying to look for a picture. Uh, IOCV. Uh, oh, there's a picture. There's a picture of the Bustle Castle, uh, and it, it's just got those little. Uh, oh, they are. Then they're the little pinouts by the looks of it. I think. Oh, yeah, they're, they're those kind of 
uh, little edge connectors that you get uh, for for hard drive power supplies, that kind of thing, with these little cables, which are kind of cool. This it reminds me a little bit, Rich. Remember the tiny sizer we looked at some time back, which yes, was. I do. Which was way complex. I mean, it, and that was for a guy like me whose perhaps eyesight is not doing so well, that would be a nightmare. But this thing kind of looks like a lot of fun. Well, Just in time for Christmas, right? Yeah. Well, stocking stuffer, absolutely, for your modular friends right there. Uh, the fact that it's about the size of the three AA, batter- uh, AA batteries that feed it is uh, unbelievably cool. I love the idea, and it sounded cool, and they did a lot of really cool things with it, and I dug the video. Um, Having hands like these makes it hard for me to operate tiny little spaces and tiny little things. I'm just, my fingers are not well suited to it. And as you point out, as we get older, our eyesight tends to diminish to the point where seeing small things is harder. So why is it that as we get older, we're also fascinated by these tiny little synthesizers? It's like this sort of self... uh, flagellation or something but uh, <laughs> but in any case i loved i loved this little product and i thought it was really cool and it really occurred to me as like a sort of a synthesizer stocking stuffer yeah i would agree i've got this image do you remember in like the old bond films and the old so they have these where where they would be handling kind of uh, uh, toxic materials there'd be a guy outside a big glass door with these arms that on the inside were pointing at something little that you, maybe that's what we need, you know, some kind of equivalent of that so that we can move. It's like an etch a sketch in reverse. So you can make really big gestures and it's translated to tiny little sort of movements with a camera on the end. I guess that would be quite a lot more than a castle. Did you guys have a board game called operation when you were kids where there was a patient yes. laying there with us? Like you had to fish things out of little holes with these electronic tweezers that would go if you touched yeah. anything. I think yeah. now, if I remember correctly, it was Operation. Can I have a go? Was the tagline. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it was in the UK. in the States, I promise you. But, but uh, <laughs> uh, was like, this, this won't hurt a bit. I don't know. What, it, what, it, what would it be? Op- operating one of these things does feel a little bit like that to me sometimes when I have to try to, you know, get yeah, precise yeah, yeah, yeah. plugging things into things that small. However, I loved this product. I thought it was cool. It's it's funny, isn't it? I sometimes feel the same way with uh, Eurorack when it's very tightly packed. It's quite hard to kind of get in. Particularly, I mean, we've just done a review of the Erica synths. Na- it's a, I can't remember the name. Of it. It's like a Nano Pico synth, and it's basically a whole ton of modules, and they're all like nine HP, and they're really tiny. You know, so it's, uh, it's quite you know it's quite compact. Um, I don't know, Mark. You haven't da- you haven't taken the leap. You're still in desktop. And uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you about to? Are we going to get an exclusive? Changing. Yes, uh, I am working on doing a demo for a Pittsburgh modular product. And, oh, uh, it's uh, the two hundred one. If you're interested, and the two hundred one uh, is that the one with the keyboard and the SV one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you'll like it. I just reviewed That's the SV one. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. But I do find myself running into this problem where you know my hands are actually quite tiny and delicate for a keyboard player, uh, but I still find myself sort of reaching in and doing like playing trombone with my head, trying to like see. So yeah, I, there's there seems to be some ageism creeping in in synthesis. I think with this whole everything getting smaller because. You know, yeah, I, well, that's that's why 5U exists, I'm told. That's why people go, oh, yeah, I'm a 5U guy, you know, because <laughs> it's big and it's just much larger format and you can get, I mean, so I guess, I mean, you get the same, so there is a bit of that going on with the ARP 2600 as well, you know, when, not the overall size, but the space in between some of those jacks is, you know, 
challenging. Right, that's, that's it. That's it. I'm going back to Columbia University in the huge nose. <laughs> yeah, what we all need is one of those MS20 uh, um, education editions, which is the size of a 42-inch telly, you know, with the kind of huge knobs i like this i like the idea of that that'd be kind of fun you can and you can have an assistant named igor igor oh yeah the switch for all we know there could be somebody who's a a bastard i think they're polish if i remember correctly who could be called igor quite it's quite conceivable that there could be an igor who actually works at bastard that would be awesome you have to have a knifonium in there a knife in a stone studio that looks like frankenstein's lab yeah well that, that there was a, there were a couple of people who made um modular i think or maybe it was pedal gear it was like these uh, valve pedals which had this kind of you know that kind of that switch that you get the frankenstein switch which is a, like a like that with the the bars that go down and it's got a contact point mm-hmm. i think maybe some of that steampunk kind of action in modular would be pretty cool there you go it would I mean, although dangerous because aren't you actually physically making the yeah, but I, okay. let's say let's keep it let's keep it safe, kids. Plus or minus five volts only, right? What's a few volts between friends? Exactly. So, have you started playing, Mark, with the uh, with the Pittsburgh? Because I'm just curious to know what you think. Um, I I have, and it's it's kind of like a dream come true. I can't believe that so much synthesis power is packed into such a tiny box but it also it's like a great mono synth in the sense that like i can just tote that around and i've got a keyboard right on it so you know me with my keyboard bias and also it's all normal so you don't even you know need patch cables it's 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 really kind of it seems like Eurorack is getting further and further away from meeting the needs of more traditional players like me. But this seems to be like Pittsburgh Modular was like, hey, let's just include all these old guys and give them something that works in the way that they are accustomed to working too. So, And then on top of it, you have all of the incredible modular functionality and everything routes everywhere. And uh, it's uh, it's just I'm really, really impressed with it. Uh, one thing I really like about I mean, and this I mean, this form factor generally, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the desktop modular form factor where you're taking kind of essentially a large amount of Eurorack space, you're keeping the height, but you're making a standalone voice. I mean, this seems to be fertile ground for people who are not prepared to jump straight into, you know, the case and all of that stuff. And 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 these these devices like the Zero Coast and the sub, you know, the the, the Mother Thirty Two and the uh, uh, and the Pittsburgh, and um, there are others. Forgive me if I haven't mentioned them all, but they all have. You know, they've got, they've got something about them. I think, and, it, and the Pittsburgh is not the cheapest of these things. But the the thing I like about it mostly is the uh, the, the sound of the oscillators are just really nice. Mm-hmm. And and you've got it's got that. And I love pulse width modulation. Everybody knows that. But it, there's a certain quality of pulse width modulation that sounds like it's kind of you're tearing stuff. And it's got that whatever that is that makes that happen. It it does that. And that's what I really like about it. But I think it's really a good idea for um, to, to break from modular into kind of desktop systems as well, because I think that's the way to get the masses. I, I know Dave Spears was uh, on um, when he was talking about being at Synthfest, and he was saying, you know, he said, hands up, who's got a modular system? And, and he was expecting most of the audience, and, and almost none of them, which made him think, wow, there's a lot of growth here. Two people, yeah, put their hands up. And that's, you know, so there's a, there's there's all those people that could be going down that direction. I think maybe, Mark, maybe what we need to do is start brand a, a brand of patch cables. Oh, right. We could have, we could have a doty end and a bat end. 
I could make maybe I could make special. We we could maybe I should talk to Monster. And we can have I could I could do, I could get a, a patch cable that's designed specifically for modulating oh. pulse width, and it's got the uh, the exact copper characteristics of the best possible pulse width modulation. Yeah. I don't know. Monsters yeah, old I, school. I think- you got to. Not you gotta monster, go to gorilla. No. You got to go to gorilla now. They're the they're the current hot company. Sorry to oh, interrupt. Are they? Ah, <laughs> yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. No, I wouldn't deal with monster. Actually, monster. Uh, gorilla. Well, even, me, even me saying the word live on YouTube might result in some kind of lawsuit. I don't know. They're, it's been bad in the past, so I wouldn't do business with them myself. But you know, everybody's entitled to their uh, to do to do so. But yeah, something like that. So, what do you think? Pulse width modulation cables. What what special cable would you have made? Maybe one with a light on the end of it, and maybe a, a magnifying glass, so I could kind of <laughs> see where I needed to put it. No, but like like this, uh, you just have like a Eurorack cable with that on the end. <laughs> right, exactly. That would be beneficial for me, I think. I use that a lot more than I should. I must say that magnifying glass. Anyway, I'm rambling, but uh, maybe we should have a word from our sponsors because uh, it's about that sort of time, and. Of course, as we know, uh, Isotope are our are, are, are sponsors. That's a hard thing to say. And uh, we will be bringing you news of vocal synth. And here it comes. This is the plugin that's designed for processing audio, does harmonies, as you'll hear, and unisons and detunes and octaves. Polyvox, that's this, this particular module. There's also a vocoder module in there as well. Sort of classic vocoder type stuff. And then there's a sort of a CompuVox, which sounds, it's more like your Kraftwerk Sennheiser type vibe. And then there's the TalkBox as well. And you don't have to get involved in PVC tubes and stuff. Put it all together and you get a lot of great vocal effects in one package. Uh, you can download a copy of Vocal Synth, isotope.com forward slash Vocal Synth. Uh, they always have uh, basically evaluation versions. I think you're fully functional. I, I imagine it may be saved. I, I'm not sure exactly what's disabled, but it lasts for 10 days and you can check it out. And of course, we have had uh, the pleasure and the honor to have them giving away prizes and they gave away a prize last week uh, we asked you to tweet the hashtag uh, harmonies and vocal synth and we have a winner from last week uh, they will have won a copy of vocal synth now i hope i can pronounce this right there's lots and lots of eyes in this and it's very close together rich is rich is hoping that it's going to be him it's not you rich i should probably it probably shouldn't be you know we, there should probably be some kind of I, actually i didn't see you enter but uh, so uh, yes we have a winner the this person is called IK, and their Twitter handle is at this is JIK, J-I-K-A-Y. So this is JIK. So if you're listening, IK, this is JIK. It's difficult to say that as well. Um, please do get in touch, and uh, the Isotope people will deposit a fully functioning version of Vocal Synth into your email box. Uh, you can get in touch with us via the Sonic State form, um, on the, the About form on Sonic State, all that sort of thing. And we've also got another competition for this week because they're giving it away every week. How about that? That is so generous. So you want to win that? You you tweet the hashtag VocoLoco, which is V O C O L O C O, VocoLoco, and Vocal Synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope. Isotope Inc. That's Vocoloco and Vocal Synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And you'll be entered for next week's draw when we'll be giving, or well, not we, Isotope will be giving away another copy of Vocal Synth. Thank you very much for them to the sponsoring the show. We very much appreciate it. Uh, what do we get to? Ah, yeah, I wanted to do this one because this is um, this is also pretty cool. 
That's not it. It's this one. No, it's not. Oh, no, I've lost my video. That's annoying. This Where is... is it? Ah, it's gone. Damn, which one are you I, looking for? I was looking for the one um, which was the uh, Alicia Empresses 500 ah, series. Yeah, the compressor. Which yeah. I seem... Ah, here we go. I'll, I'll do it here. That'll do. That'll work. I'll just do it from the web browser. So this is the Empresa 500, uh, which is a, a kind of 500 rack version of... Let's see if I can make that a little bit uh, Hi, larger. Hi, I'm from Malaysia. Of the Empresa. proud to present to you today the Empresa 500, the compressor from the future. Enjoy. He says something here, which I... ...is the 500 series incarnation of the amazingly creative and punchy Empresa rack. As such, it inherits the same great features. Inheritates. I like that. times to grab the fastest transients, linear or anti-logarithmic release curves to shape the groove or simply create the most extreme envelope shaping and pumping effects, auto-fast on the attack to catch the loudest transients in the most musical way. I won't play the whole thing because uh, my video seems to have gone a bit screwy, but... The Alicia stuff I heard, I heard some stuff at, Na at Mesa, uh, and it sounded really nice. The way that it kind of automatically and uh, deals with the transients and all that kind of stuff is really, really cool. And I, I don't own any of their stuff because it's really expensive and uh, sort of high grade. But I guess a 500 series rack. I'm, I'm going to go to you, Rich, because you may have come across it, this sort of stuff before because you work in a studio and stuff. And I'm hoping you have good things to say. <laughs> Help! <laughs> well. Um I have not used the Alicia hardware products. I have used one of their software products and quite liked it. I have a very well-respected engineer friend who is in love with that Alicia compressor upon which this is supposed to be based. Right, and the I trust him. Yeah. I trust him completely on it. And I watched and listened to many examples on this video from them. And uh, it really looks like a very nice compressor to have in your 500 series module uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing looking at that I don't know if this is true but it looks like it's uh, a mono channel right so it's a single channel in 500 it's so you have to monophonic yes um, what, one of the things that makes it most unique in terms of features is that it has a threshold dependent limiter that you can set to a certain gain reduction point beyond which you won't let things go so if uh, in their demos, they quite often have it set to minus 10. So when the when the gain reduction comes to minus 10, it won't keep going as the input level continues. It, 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 wherever you set that limiting point is beyond which is where nothing, no signal level will pass. Whether it you be shall not pass. Whether it be that. right, whether it be descending or ascending. And it's kind of cool to be able to set where you want that to happen. And it really did seem to work very well, particularly on certain kind of vocalists who have an incredibly wide dynamic range. Yeah, I like the sound of that. And I don't know, Mark, have you come across their stuff? I, 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 by the sound of it, I think they might be European a co company, but I am yeah, absolutely they are. German. They are European. German, German company, right. Okay. I am terribly compressor ignorant. I'm so glad Rich is here to talk about it because <laughs> I, I'm the wrong guy. I've been using the same compressor for years, and I am just horribly ignorant when it comes to them. So, What compressor do you use, Mark? Uh, it's, it's right here, actually. Um, it's <laughs> this one. What it's, is that? It's is that a uh, art tube pack. Ah, ah. Is, that, is that a mono channel? Yes. Ah, gotcha. Okay. 
I've never seen that before, but oh, it's got I'm, it's very nice. It's got a tube in it and everything, but yeah, I'm I'm terrible with this sort of thing. I'm just like, it's like witchcraft for me. I'm horribly ignorant. It's funny actually because I, I was thinking about it. I used to, you know, I used to have a rack of 19-inch gear and I used to have uh, compressors and stuff for live. I never got anything really tasty, um, and now it's all in the box or it's all in the, you know, the digital console. I just don't have a need for it, and I might use something in software as well. So that kind of boutique it's, sound is it, it, it is not something that I'm, you know, I'm used to. I suppose you sounded I, I, like you were about to chip in. Well, if I can say something that perhaps will illuminate compressor usage to a synth devotee and very learned synth devotee, it would be to think of it in audio terms like you think of an envelope generator. Your ability to modify the characteristics across a length of time of the amplitude in particular in this case. You don't operate it the same as you operate an envelope generator, but the resulting behavior is kind of what you do with an envelope generator in a synth context, except you're doing it with audio level. So, yeah. And you can have it act on it from the very jump street of the signal, or you can have it act on it later, in which case it's almost like increasing the sustain in, in an ADSR. You know, so it, you're basically comparing the attack to the sustain portion to the release portion and acting on them in a way that will make it most desirable for you in a particular context. It, if yeah. I can... I guess some of the, a lot of them have the different sounds, and that's. I, I mean, I bring this back to the analog heat video we shot yesterday. Um, one thing that's got is an envelope follower because all the all the circuitry that the drive set is analog, but the digital control is from the uh, envelope follower and the LFO. The envelope follower can go negative, so you can drive, take the signal in, and have it ducking or letting through some. So it actually will act. It kind of acts like a compressor, very much so in that way as well. So you can cr change the rate and the speed and the amount and everything. So as well as that drive, you're sort of, it's like a compressor, but it's an envelope follower. So it's worth, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm still kind of quite blown away by the sound of that thing, actually. So that's why I keep rambling on about it. Um, cool. But um, I think that whole, this whole notion of, you know, having a, 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 a something beautiful you can put your stuff through that just has... It's like a glue thing, isn't it? Like Rich, with, with the Alessia, Alessia, what we hear, there were loads of examples there, and, and, and almost all of it sounded more better. And there were some interesting yes. things that they were doing with uh, bringing the release up so that it pulled the effects level out of the synth parts and out of the guitar parts, so you get this kind of rhythmic pumping kind of action. And it, mm -hmm. it seems like a very creative tool, which it, I guess compressors up to now, most studio compressors have generally been designed for a leveling purpose rather than a creative purpose, right? Would that well, be a fair? Well, in this age of side chaining, which is like the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, you find it to be used as much as a sound uh, editing tool as you find it to be just modifying an original source signal. For example, if you take that full uh, multi-track drum kit that you've got coming up clean as a whistle on those on that wonderful aux fader right there and you send it to another aux fader and through some kind of wonderful compressor and mix that back underneath your uncompressed sound you get this wonderful sort of thickening full quality where you're sort of in the in the context of the analogy i made before bringing up sustain level relative to attack level without actually losing the attack so uh it it's not just something you stick on the lead vocal to, in case the person sings too loud. 
you're you're shaping tone with this thing and you're shaping it across time and uh, when they have good attack and release controls it can be really a creative thing to do it's like i said it's like an envelope generator with a vca behind yeah, it i mean I, I, and i guess that's that's almost what transient designers are as well isn't it there's there's more processing going on but it's sort of all much faster um envelope processing yeah that that tends to focus on the front part of that time domain signal yeah. so uh, a transient designer taste it usually mostly dealing with how is it attacking I guess that's the thing of something, you know, something like the Apollo, the UA Apollo, which is, you know, you can get the Apollo Twin, which will just work as a basic two in, two out uh, desktop. I think it's got an ADAP port on it as well, if I remember correctly. But I mean, the fact that you can run those kind of plugins in that as well and have that level of control, obviously you need software to do it, but it means you can process these things in real time. And there are, I'm sure, you know, many and probably more to come transient compression, you know, vintage whatever and stuff and i i i guess a lot of these things i guess the alicia's i don't know if it's dsp or if it's electronics i mean that would make a difference because you might see this kind of stuff migrating into software platforms where it gets licensed for that stuff as well i don't well, there know are, there is alicia software ah okay there is ah so it may well be I've but yeah cool so yeah, that's the Empressa um, 500, which is available for 500 series, and I think you know it's a it, it's it's got it, it qualifies as that sort of boutique high quality stuff. 500 euros, seven four nine US dollars kind of thing, uh, plus fat for the euros, I guess. Whatever that is, I mean, it must be a nightmare now actually trying to release any products in the world, considering the exchange rate is just oscillating so wildly. I mean, you know, from the UK, what was it? Uh, maybe three months ago, four months ago, it was one dollar forty-four, and now it's one dollar twenty-one. I mean, that is. I mean, you must have, you must have been in heaven, Mark. I'm surprised you didn't buy lunch for everybody. The amount of money you must have made on the trip, <laughs> just from the exchange rate. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. I for once, I, of the many times I've been to England, this was the time where I'm like, hey, I can afford something. So yeah, it was very nice. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I I noticed you did buy a lot of uh, snacked goods, a, a, a multi-pack of hula hoops, pleased to see. I, I'm a hula hoop junkie, and I so I have to bring some back with me. Yeah, I, those are something I did buy, and I I think people were concerned because I was just like buying bags and bags of them. So yeah. Really? Did the customs people have anything to say? They didn't say anything. I was worried they were going to say like what, like maybe I was running a hula hoop smuggling ring or something because yeah. you, op- you opened <laughs> my suitcase and it was just it was like just... all hula hoops in there. Yeah, uh, you're using. I'm actually no. This is just packaging. I have some sensitive equipment in there, and I want. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about, those are hula hoops. They are salty snacks uh, that are little hoops of. They look a bit like squid rings, but they're actually potato starch or corn starch or something, and they come in a variety of flavors, as I'm sure Mark. I expect an essay Monday morning on the uh, the delights of hula hoops, if that's all right, Mark. Maybe we could work on that, you know, together. I'll, I'll yes. supply the pictures. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's the Impressa. Uh, what have we got next? There's another topic here. So we did the Bastel. We've done the Alyssa. Oh, let's go back to this one. This was kind of, I hope this is going to be the right button because I've clearly got all my videos screwed up. Yeah, here we go. Oh, my God. That's loud. This is a guy called uh, oh no, I've got it, Rob Scallon, who I've never heard of before, but he's uh, obviously a kind of creative, talented musician and has made this kind of musical piece stroke environment out of a bunch of uh, pickups on various things. And I think that's a Roland TD-11K drum kit. 
and he's just got all these guitars tuned which is a really cool idea oh there's a double bass or is that a cello I can't tell good bass This is the bit of the A section, I'm guessing. That's a shovel thing with an EMG pickup on it. I won't play it all, uh, but uh, very inventive use. Uh, and and uh, for those of you who don't know, Rob Scallon actually uh, is a musician who has, wait for it, 700,000 subscription subscribers on YouTube, which is a moment. You know, if I was watching The Mask, my eyes would be going like this. Uh, and uh, and he does really well on Patreon as well. So you know, good for him. And that that's just almost as interesting as you know this. I think Mark uh, Mark Tinley spotted this one. Who can't make it because he's manning the controls of his shop. I guess we can relate to this kind of thing where we've got our own setups and we create these kind of interesting environments so we can make videos and music and then just kind of generally do what we do. I mean, do you? Because you mostly the stuff that you do, Mark, is down to. Uh, um, uh, exploring synthesizers do you miss making the music part and doing perhaps more like what rob scallon is doing uh absolutely and uh, i'm kind of impressed because you know for me to play stringed instruments like guitar and bass uh requires a certain amount of effort and i'm just using my hands i'm very impressed that there are people who can actually play something usable and interesting with, with a drumstick sticks yeah it's <laughs> kind of unfair really but I do enjoy that sort of thing. And, and this is very impressive. And I'm trying to imagine the sort of process that he employed to get to the point where he could uh, compose that piece and say, OK, at this point, I'm going to use this particular string situation and have it tuned to this and set to this. I think it's uh, it's really it must have been an interesting compositional process. And it turns out really, really clean and great. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to buy a used guitar from him, but uh, but nonetheless, I mean, he, I, he was quite gentle. It's a cool idea. I mean, there's a few people who do this kind of thing. Uh, I've forgotten that there's another guy who's made a sort of Frankenstein instrument, and, and it's got all sorts of pads and strings on it, but this is all in one. I know, kind of funky. I mean, well, it wasn't funky. It was rocky, I suppose. Kind of rocky. Yeah, <laughs> that means it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> but the interesting part is also, you know, the fact that, you know, he's able to, I mean, he's got like a, you know, he, on Patreon now, he's, uh, let's see, he's got 445, 440-odd subscribers, gets like 800 bucks a video, which is wow. a really, I mean, as an artist, that's a, another really cool way of monetizing your creativity and sort of one that only the new sort of digital era allows where you couldn't really do that before. And that's that's also interesting to me. Wait a minute. Run that by me again. He gets how much per video? Where? Doing what? Uh, well, Patreon um, is a place where if you if you have creative output, you can just say, well, subscribe to me on Patreon. You know, you will you can pay me like a buck a video or two bucks a video. So every time I put something out, you'll get like what he does is he 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 does that video. He then supplies the stems from the music so people can mess around with it. He also supplies uh, a, a video with uh, running commentary. So he's uh, presumably he's saying what he's what he's doing and, you know, people who are interested in the tech. And he's got a bunch of subscribers on there. So every time he puts a video out, he's up to something like 835 bucks of every time he makes a video. So it's kind of pre-funded. It's kind of like a crowdfunding for creatives that you can add extras. And that's okay. a really cool... I'm thinking, I, it started me, I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should just do loads of synth jams and do like a commentary and, and see whether we could raise, you know, revenues here. Because it's always, in the digital 
economy and digital publishing uh, not to harp on too much about the business side of things you know it's hard to you know it used to be banners that's no good now and if you're a musician it used to be record sales or touring or whatever and this is just a really interesting alternative income method and i think he's obviously doing really well and if he with seven hundred thousand youtube subscribers i mean that is an insane amount i mean that is a lot of youtube subscribers for anybody I'm actually on Patreon as well, and I'm not making anything remotely near that, but it is a really great resource, and people are, they really want to support that which they enjoy, so I've been fortunate that I do have some supporters, and it's pretty cool. I don't advertise it very much because I feel weird kind of saying, hey, give me money for a thing I'm doing, but uh, it's it's really useful, and there's there are a lot of really generous, supportive people out there who will contribute to that sort of thing. But. Yeah, and I think that's pr probably the way things might go. You know, you bring your audience with you. And, and that, I mean, in many ways, you know, it, it's sort of linked to, I mean, I guess with that sort of, those sort of numbers, I mean, he could put out a record and probably get a distribution deal with a major because he's going, look, I've got nearly a million people, you know, who I will bring with me, you know, so you could just sell to them and other people. And it sort of starts to make sense. But as we talked before, you know, it's a lot of work to get to that. So that's, but those are the sort of things that you have to do now to get recognized, unless you happen to be the right shape, size, whatever, you know, um, fit, fit the zeitgeist in other ways. Uh, okay. And that's got, that guy is, he's called Rob Scallon and he does loads of stuff. I, I was going to try and show, uh, a lot of his things but he's so he's got a number of different posts he puts all these different sort of creative musical posts up and, and you can basically become by becoming a patron you get uh access to these additional things and i just thought mm, that's an interesting idea i wonder if i should look at that but you know it feels kind of it's a difficult one when you're doing editorial things anyway that's probably not for this program i should be to having that discussion with somebody other than the general public maybe at the moment so uh what's next <laughs> <laughs> is this the synth of the future <laughs> That really looks like Star Trek. This is Tooby Truman, who's made a kind of... It's like an alternative instrument interface. Inside there is a Mac Mini running able to live. It's a beautiful looking thing. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be made for production, but... It's... Is that what it is? Able to live on the hood? Under the hood in a Mac Mini, but with... Uh, so I, I'm guessing he's written a controller which allows him... Because I think what he was talking about with this is it allows him to... This is something... Uh, what's it called? It's called a Genesis One. So it allows you to write a pad, write another one, bring that on top. So I'm guessing it's layering up kind of Ableton tracks or instruments. just looks i mean if he's designed that interface i mean it's a very compelling thing i mean again it's it's i know you we're not always fans of things which are only touchscreen it'd be nice to have some controls but it's an interesting idea again a workflow of somebody who's just kind of go i want something that does this and just gets on with it and makes it and we all go oh that's cool but quite similar to rob scallon in many ways but you know just more futuristic just sort of zoning out there a bit but this again comes down to the idea of creating your own you know the workflow for your own needs and then you know it 
and this is often the case, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, there's another topic which we might come on to as well, which is, again, just people kind of creating things that they want that then become products. And in so many ways, you know, when I've done, I do this uh, series called Meet the Makers for Sonic State, and uh, most of the time it's people who go, well, I wanted something that would do this, and then I realised I'd made a product, and so I sold it. But I don't know. Um, is this a synth of the future, Rich? I'm not even sure what this is. Yeah, I, I'm serious I because I don't know if it's a product he's considering marketing to people other than himself. If it's just sort of a self-contained uh, touchscreen controller environment that he created for his own purposes. Um, I'm not really sure what it is I'm evaluating here. It was, you know, it sounded cool and it looked cool and it did, you know, he seemed to touch the screen and bring things about. And it, I didn't even understand that it was Ableton Live running in a Mac Mini underneath all there. I didn't know what it was. And now that I know that... That's cool, too. I mean, I'm all about Mac Minis, and I'm all about Ableton Live, and I'm cool with all of that. And I love the controller aspects of Ableton and the way you can route, like, 10 million parameters in quite easily. Um, so it looks like a lot of fun to me, but I'm not quite sure what I'm evaluating and what it's for. But it's cool. I liked it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I mean, I think uh, whenever you see a video like this and it's sort of promoted as uh, as a product and it's not a product, it's kind of like, Okay, what is it then? But I suppose the thing is, is it might sort of spin off ideas of what is it that we would like to see. I mean, because Mark, you know, I hate to use the phrase Mr. Analog, you know, hands on controls and things. But there must be instances where you think actually, you know, some aspects of this new stuff would be very, very useful in in dealing with some analog circuitry as well. Because, I mean, as we've seen, you know, you, you've been looking at the Dave Smith stuff and a lot of that is digitally controlled analog electronics. And that seems to be where the, some of the really exciting stuff is happening. Yeah. Well, from an educational standpoint, the whole secret to human interaction with the device is the interface. And there is this sad truth that with every single device we use, someone has had to say, well, what's the best way for me to portray this functionality for a user? And anytime that happens, that's an individual or even a group of individuals making a decision for everyone. But the fact of the matter is, from an educational standpoint, we all have unique interface requirements, things that would inspire us or help us to operate the device in a way that makes sense to us. So the notion that in the future, people are going to be able to design their own complete interfaces in the way that they would want, that's actually a, a giant boon for human expression, I think. So something ah, like I this uh, is a great idea. I, I see think. what you mean. So, I mean, in many ways, by using, uh, you know, I don't know, like Touch OS or Mini Designer Pro or something on an iPad, you can create these interfaces. In fact, we've got that's what we run our entire video switching is based on a custom interface for Midi Designer Pro that's just throwing Midi about the place. And it's really cool and it works fine and everything is, is great. So I, I, I see where you're coming from there. That does make a lot of sense. Um, I suppose the thing with this, this kind of uh, scenario is that uh, if, you've got a, um, if you've got the ability to make this stuff, then great. I mean, I wonder if you come back to kind of the guy who designed the first keyboard, right? Was it just like, well, I think this is the best way to do it, and it just so happens that it was, rather than actually by design and focus group and all of these other things, it just happened to be that's the way it you know, ended up. I don't know, what do well, you think, Rich? Because, I mean, you know, we've all let all the QWERTY keyboard, all of these things, you know, they wouldn't necessarily had access to thousands of musicians to be able to input things and decide. It's just what we've ended up with. So, therefore, and it's, it's de facto the best interface, essentially, for playing a, a piano-style notes or synthesizer notes. You see what I'm getting well, at? 
Yeah, but yes, um, on a practical level, your original question cuts to whether or not everybody needs to be or wants to be a designer or whether it's better to just walk up to that grand piano that was invented centuries ago, sit down and get as good as you can on it. And, and there's, there is a middle ground. It's a beautiful, I remember at one point, David Vancouvering tried to sell an alternate keyboard scheme for uh, piano style instruments, whereby all intervals were represented the same in all keys, unlike on that actual 12th, you know, a normal piano keyboard where depending on what key you're playing in, you have completely different physical jobs to execute in order to get the same result. Um, there have been other attempts at cracking that sort of paradigm that had established just because, as you say, somebody sort of invented it that way. I think clavichord probably came first. Um with regards to the key thing, but, but, um, and, uh, you know, I'm not somebody who necessarily really wants to design all my own instruments, but there are people who are great at it. And a guy named like Harry Parch made a living at it. He built all these percussion instruments that represented scale, uh, d- subdivisions that were different from what the, the normal 12 tone piano keyboard would present. So if I'm not mistaken, he had like 19 note octaves and 32 note, 31 note octaves and where he had all these microtonal marimbas and stuff. And you listen to his music and it sounds incredibly consonant. Um, but anyway, uh, it comes to what, a question uh, of whether what, or not... What, as what, a, is, what, as, what does consonant mean? Is that the opposite of dissonant? Yes. So it's more melodic. It's not Well, it's not more melodic than what you're used to hearing, but when you realize that you're listening to somebody playing a 30 no, uh, uh, marimba that's got 31 bars between you know what we hear as an octave, and that the resultant music comes out sounding very sort of normal... I mean, oh, in other words, okay. it doesn't sound like, you know, clangorous or out of tune or ah, okay. or grating in any way. It doesn't have that, you know, uh, it doesn't have uh, an unsettling quality to it. It sounds like music. Sounds uh, fine. Right. Oh, OK, that's interesting. Um, but but the, the heart of your question is whether or not people who execute things on these instruments are necessarily the best people to design them. And uh, I don't have a good answer for you on that, except that I don't think I'm necessarily an instrument designer as much as I, I am suppose, but that, I suppose, mean, but even if you consider the way that you might set up if you're working with a master keyboard, you know, the splits and where you put things and what you're triggering at certain points, you're still kind of designing that layout and that workflow, even on using the basic keyboard. So, I mean, it, there is yeah. an element to, to, I mean, not for everybody, but sometimes it's necessity, isn't it, that, that means you have to do this. It's like, if you've just got to go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, can someone come in and do it for me? Then it's not very empowering, I suppose. True. But, and And everybody has a different... level of depth to which they're willing to go in order to bring that about themselves rather than just hire somebody else to come in and do it for them. And I think that even major dudes, like I was listening to Wakeman talk about his preparation for the Anderson, Rabin and Wakeman tour that's coming up. And uh, he seems to have a tech with him who helps him to execute some of the things mechanically that have to get done in order to get him the setups he wants. And that's fine. You know, he is Rick Wakeman and he doesn't have to learn the ins and outs of every single one of those instruments to the extent that he needs to know them. He needs to be able to play that music in the way that he does, you know, so... Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point. But I guess it does bring that down to, you know, it's it's about designing workflow and, and doing those things. And I, I, I suppose it also ties in with other topics we've talked about, which is, you know, as musicians, we actually are quite conservative because we don't want to have to be faced with something completely new that we're going to go, oh, my God, I really don't know how any of this works because we don't you don't always have the time 
to invest in but a new... then there's Eigenharp and there's yep. other Roley, there's, recent yep, there's... Roly. Well, Roly is based Lin- at least in an existing instrument. Yeah. I mean, this is the time. I mean, people are really reasserting the wish to have other ways of expressing than keyboards, guitars, and horn, you know, wind instruments and, and such. Hey, oh, my goodness. Look, Mark Doty has, has a hack on continuum. continuum. What is that? Yes, it is. Uh, and wow. yeah, and that is exactly true. I feel really fortunate, though, because for me, you know, I was classically trained on keyboard. But this instrument, like, so seamlessly, for me, interfaces with the muscle training that I already have that it allowed me to sort of take my physical ability further than it would go simply by the design of this interface that just seemed to integrate so perfectly with what I already had. So, yeah, it, it is. So it, well, I'm curious, what, is, what does the continuum bring? Is it, are you hooking it up to analog stuff and you're getting that expression or is it just the expression that you are enjoying or are you using it with Kymer? What What is the... It's just the expression. And the uh, the Egan matrix, the synthesizer, the digital synthesizer that's in it, is so powerful and so well designed that it really emulates natural acoustic instruments super well. So I have the ability to sort of expand my palette away from just uh, analog synthesizers, of which I have so many. And I can I can expressively play instruments that I cannot like physically actually play or instruments that don't exist that allow me to be much more expressive uh, than the standard analog synthesizer keyboard interface. You would probably enjoy the Expressive E, which I'm still waiting. I mean, I was hoping it would be out by now. It's the French company and I can't remember the name of them, but it's basically uh, like a pad that with a wooden thing on the top that you push down on and you can rock from side to side and you get this, uh, CV or MIDI output, I believe it does both. And it allows you to add additional expression when you're playing, like with one hand, you can do, you know, you can play your articulations, which you are familiar with, with and then with the other hand, you can add this incredible amount of expression to those things and you can patch that into X, Y and Z, I believe, positive and negative. So you can use that for, and that seems to be the best about it. And I've also often thought about that with all of these controllers, you know, a one key Harken or a one key Roly. You know, that just gives you that those extra accesses to move in that will add expression that's not just aftertouch or not just a, a, a pedal. And it seems like that would be a good transition because, as we say, you know, it's. I'm guessing you probably had to think about how to play that. You know, yes, it was easy for you, you say, to or easier than one might imagine, but I bet it still took a while or is taking a while. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm still very much a novice in it because there are a lot of aspects of muscle memory that have to come into play and also interfacing with my own intention uh, with a new (laughs) physical experience. So, yeah. That's a key word. That's what's so beautiful about, you know, that's why we often cover these uh, sort of apps and software that allows you to translate what comes out of your mouth and turns it into MIDI or some form of electrical impulses that can then be translated into, uh, you know, playing some other musical instrument because that's the most direct route, right? Unless you're a virtuoso, like uh, Rich is a great player. So I'm guessing, you know, what comes into your head, you can play and you just go, yeah, that's what I meant. Mostly, right? Mostly. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's, what I want is this. What I can actually play is that. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a big difference. You know, <laughs> and um, I guess well, you know, everybody hits the wall somewhere. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, that's interesting, though, Mark, because, I mean, you, you know, traditionally been a similar route to me, which is a multi-instrumentalist, bedroom, four-track, you know, I need a drum machine, I've got a guitar, I've got a mic, you know, okay, I'm going to make what I what I can with what I've got. And you sort of work within those parameters, you know, okay, I wouldn't say I'm great at any instrument at all, but I can get by and sort of approximate what might, well... It's not. It's not that I can approximate what I've got in my head. I can approximate something presentable <laughs> from my ability, which is kind of different to what might be in my head, right? The same sort of deal. Yes, that's exactly how I would describe myself as well. Um, I have uh, the ability to translate what's in my head pretty well, but I usually have to face all of my physical limitations or equipment lim- limitations in that process. But yeah, it's it's very similar. I basically thrive on the limitations of the equipment that I have, uh, and so there's always some you know some interpretational loss when something goes from my head to a recording. Oh, that's, a, that's another good show title: Compressor Ignorant and Interpretational Loss. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So I wonder, I mean, this is this this actually gets to the number. I mean, maybe this is why synthesis is becoming so popular, because you can explore sort of sideways from your ability to play. So you can explore sound and atmosphere and things in other ways. And maybe this is the whole nub of why home recording, home, you know, iPad apps and all of these things. You know, we often think about it the other way around, which is like, oh, it's dumbing down stuff. Well, actually, yes, it is. But it enables people to kind of create something that has a vibe to it without having to be Stravinsky or whatever, you know, or Rachmaninoff. And I guess that's probably the nub of it, really. And that 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 is what everybody kind of wants to sound like. They know what they're doing when they're playing stuff or or making a sound, even if it is, you know, a one knob, a one finger patch. You know, it, that's I guess that's the that's the nub of it. The patch patch number one where you press a note and it just goes, wow, that sounds amazing. It's like a record, you know. That's what I meant. <laughs> so you mean like instead of actually learning to play an instrument? Yeah, but you explore the sound of it. I just yeah, had to I, say that. I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. Maybe you're right, Rich. I mean, in the same way, in the same way that you know your ability as an you know you can play, but you also can engineer and produce. So you're enable you're able to present ideas in a presentable way that maybe have been played by people who are not you know not in case of. Uh, pro- people that you work mostly but some people who can't really play but they have a sense of what they want i said that half jokingly with respect to the pros and cons of the democratization of the music making process which has been taking place for 35 years now and for better or for worse it's well entrenched in here so it's more about how can we make it work for good instead of evil Yes, for making it work for good. That's an, that's another great show title. Making me, I, there were some there were some more topics I wanted to get onto, but I think I'm just we're, we're running out of time. But uh, uh, maybe we can keep them over for next week because you never know when there's going to be a drought of topics. But um, um, for, I think that's probably a good uh, making making music for good, not evil. Yeah, that's good because there was a topic that was good, was using music for for evil, and in fact, the uh, reminded me of the um, the Kate Bush Project Experiment Four video, which was. Really really awesome but that's for another time hmm. now that's a teaser that's a, like a week in advance teaser uh, anyway um that's it for this week i think um i want to say thank you ever so much to my guests for um getting up early-ish in their uh, respective stateside uh, uh, uh habitants uh rich hilton thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure having you and having your input as ever it was fun and it flew by i enjoyed it very much and thanks mark 
Ah, well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you uh, Ritz. Before we go, I should probably just reiterate our isotope competition. That is, uh, if you want to win Vocal Synth, Isotope's Vocal Synth plugin, uh, we want the hashtag VocoLoco and the hashtag Vocal Synth to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And if you send that out via Twitter, uh, uh, competition winning randomizing doodah will pick maybe i'll pick you next week as a winner of isotopes yeah. we thank them very much for their because you sponsored for the show oh, i got that eventually and also mark doty thank you very much for joining us i, I didn't get a chance to do your lower third but automatic gainsay oh. is your handle on youtube uh, is it facebook as well all those places yes. patreon all of those places yes 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 and so you're going to be enjoying the pittsburgh modular uh thing that's good the, I'll tell you one thing that I really like about the keyboard. I didn't get to do the keyboard because I did the black box version, which was the standalone desktop, is those little preset, the four preset control voltages that are triggered by pads. Really just fun. Great idea. Great just, idea. And you can use them for anything. And I do. I just come up, I'll come up with an idea and I'll be like, oh, I wish I could control. Oh, I can control that. And then you just assign one of those preset buttons. And it's really a wonderful usage of control voltage. Yeah, so when are we going to see that, Mark? Tomorrow? Uh, uh, Six o'clock tonight? <laughs> it, <laughs> In a it'll bit. be a little bit longer than that, I think. Yeah, Yeah. well, no, well done. When did you actually get back from the UK? Um, it's all a blur. Uh, Saturday, last Saturday. Ah, okay, so you, you have probably nearly got over your jet lag, but, you know, hey. Anyway, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you very much, Rich. It's been thank a pleasure you. having you both. Uh, we'll see you all next time. That was Sonic Talk number uh, whoa, 467. Goodness me. Heading heading towards 500. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for watching. Don't forget, subscribe via YouTube. We've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. We've got stuff from Electron. I'm going to be doing the uh, DeepMind 12 stuff very soon. There it is, sitting there waiting for me. And uh, that's it for this week. See you next time.